You're listening to Super Manager, the podcast for people who manage people and business with ideas, trends, and expert interviews to help you be a super manager. Welcome back to part two of our conversation about equal pay and gender bias. I have got my totally equal super friends with me. I'm Jerry Richardson. I'm a lawyer at Evans and Dixon. I work with employers. I help them manage their relationships through the courtship, the marriage, and the divorce. Mm. Joel Emmerich Ignite Strategies. I serve as a sales systems architect for small and mid-sized businesses. Vicki Wars, Wars Consulting. I am a human resources consultant for small to mid-sized businesses, helping them maneuver through some of the uncomfortable issues they face. I'm Amy Narishkin. I'm a cultural intelligence strategist with Empowering Partners, which is actually my business, so I'm a consultant as well. And I help organizations reach broader markets by hiring people that they think are different. And I am Samantha Nays with CN Video. We do corporate video production. Jerry, it sounds like you've got an equal pay story for us. Of recent note, probably the most interesting one would be the U.S. women's soccer team oh, who yeah. won the oh, World God. Cup. Hello. And then, and, then, Hello. and then you have the men's team, which has never won the World's Cup. But from a lawyer's standpoint, it's kind of an interesting question. They are different teams. And they don't play the same opposition. Mm -hmm. They play different teams. And so the question is, does that make a difference? Now, I think the allegations and perhaps some of the evidence favors the women's team in that, well, in terms of what women are paid, they're paid like about half. I think they're getting paid around 100,000. The males are 230,000. Those are averages. And, in and terms, that's before all the sponsors. Well, yeah, but, see, but, when a, you, but then you look at, okay, well, what are the revenues that these teams that's generate? That's what I was going to say. That's well, a tough but, one. But it's got to be based on revenue, wait, too. But, but wait a minute, because the women's team, because it's been so good, draws larger audiences. Oh. And more diverse so audiences, that, too. So that yeah. well, now I didn't realize because that, of yeah. the larger audiences, they're actually generating more money than the men's team, oh. and they end up on TV much, much more than the men's team the does. The irony. Okay, well, I can't, so, de- I can't defend that. So that <laughs> but that's not always the case. Right. right. So if you're comparing the NBA to the WNBA, right. that's way different. Right, right. Well, I think it has to get down to income generation. If one particular team, whether they are male or female, are they generating with regard to profits or well, like in sales, it would be based on, but that, on sales, but, not on gender. Let's take gender out of it. That's a little harsh because you take a league like the NFL. There's revenue sharing going on because if I have a team in New York, it will generate a lot more advertising revenue than if I have a team in St. Louis or Kansas City. Market share. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was just revenues are just based on how many eyeballs are going to watch it. Right. And so if you're in an area where there's a lot more eyeballs, and that's why the NFL has been such a success, because early on they decided to do revenue sharing. So small market teams then get a share of all the revenues from the advertising and they can afford to get expensive players. So it's not, mm. you know, the, the Yankees scenario was the Yankees always had more money and the way that Major League Baseball is set up, they didn't have salary caps and things like that. And so other leagues have gone about it in a different way because they want more competitive games. I think what we're talking about though mostly is just 
gender bias, discrimination, and, and lack of equal pay in the workplace where you don't have as many people watching women's basketball as you do watching men's basketball. You have a group of computer programmers where the company says, we're on a budget, therefore we hire women. What I'm saying is you have to look at more than just the pay differential. That's a good place to start. There's a pay differential. Right. But is there an explanation that's non-discriminatory? Because the law allows non-discriminatory explanations to trump a difference in pay in terms of does it require the same skills, efforts, and responsibilities? Perhaps it does, but is there some other non-discriminatory reason that explains it? Well, if there is an income generation that's present for one gender that's not for another, yes, that explains it. What, so, what you're saying depends. kind of triggers, I, I'm feeling angry <laughs> <laughs> um, because taking gender out of it as I sit with this anger, I'm just realizing that unless you're aware of your bias, the bias is going to influence your actions. I just want to be careful about just saying the words taking gender out of it. We can take gender out of it. I remember, for example, a pastor telling me that he hires based on merit. And what I wanted to challenge him, but it wasn't the time, was to realize that merit is based on how you're enculturated. So you think somebody is valuable based on your experience. So if all you've known is one kind of person as valuable, that's who you're gonna to gravitate toward. So when, mm -hmm. for example, a white male CEO said to me recently, there just aren't people of color to fill positions in my company. Well, for people of color, when they hear that, that just irks them to no end because all of the experience of this white male CEO, he's not exposed to people that are of different color. And so the folks right. of color will say, I'm thinking about engineering societies and historically black colleges and women's engineering association. If we're going to overcome bias and really hire people based on merit, we're gonna to have to kind of double down and really look for people that have diverse backgrounds. So you should go to my blog from about two months ago oh, I'd love that to. was exactly about what do you do with those in the context of tight labor markets, where do you find the talent? You fish where the, where where the, the fish, fish are, are. Well, but Jerry, and, and, I and you say, find them and you expand your pool. Jerry, I have to say awesome. though, when you were, when you were awesome. talking about, before, when you were talking about going back and taking gender out of it and examining other reasons, what was going through my mind as I was listening to you was, okay, so you've got gender bias that you may or may not be aware of, and what Jerry's talking about is essentially justifying it, going back and finding ways to justify why this person is making less than this person other than gender. And that's kind of what I was, I don't know if... if Let me interject an observation. I mean, there's two different ways of weighing that. I think Jerry was talking about it from a very legalistic, legal precedent perspective, right. and then there's an ethical human dialogue too. And those are not necessarily the same conversation. They can be at times, but they are not necessarily the same. So I think Jerry was trying to articulate what is legal based in case right. law, regulations, precedent. And I think, well, other parts of the conversation are more going on values and That's and, and one of the big like differences that. between Jerry and a legally trained mind and say me as a human resources professional. You have the law and following the tenets 
of the law, what is appropriate, what is right as far as ethically and morally are concerned. And sometimes they don't. They <laughs> jive. don't <laughs> jive. And in human resources over the years that I've been involved, I don't know how many times I have argued salaries with CFOs, CEOs. Why are we paying him more than her? He's married. He has a family. She's single. Mm. Okay, so it's like, okay. Yeah. And myself, I had an experience. I got laid off. Why? Because I was a college graduate and I was single and I could find another job. But they kept all the men. But you, you do have to look at things. The market values janitors at a different rate than it values investment bankers. And so there's, you can't say, well, there is a female janitor and she's getting paid $9 an hour and there's this investment banker who's male that's making two fifty a year. I don't think that's what that's anybody's well, comparing, that, though. Well, no. I was that's the taking department gender, manager. No, no, no you're, you're, ta you're taking, you have to take gender out. There are things, such as the market, that value different things. And that's why the law, at least till now, a few states are moving in a different direction but has said there is no comparable worth theory. Comparable worth was something litigated in the 90s, and it ended up being rejected by the courts. But it was saying, well, gee, here's a job classification where predominantly females are in it in the same employer. Here's a job classification with predominantly males. They say the males are paid more. So they're roughly doing the same thing or something similar. You get people with undergraduate degrees that don't have to have, say, masters and above to start. Well, one might be highly technical, and the technical fields were paid more. And another one might be you could put anyone in there with any college degree as a starting. That's a significant difference. And so that comparable worth theory was rejected. As I said, there are a few states changed, and like I, California I think California is. I think the, the issue I'm having with this conversation is I feel like the problem and can we all agree that there's a problem? Well, certainly. Is that this there's may not be, and Jerry's, Jerry's that, look that, kind that, of, that, that's, that's, that. that's way too broad because there are many employers I have worked with, they have essentially a system for pay grades, and, and the way that it's done, gender doesn't really matter. Well, and those and you are, do, those and are and the you companies that are doing it And you do studies, and you find that. compensation structure. You give me a compensation structure that, oh, wow, women, they just tend to be down at the lower end, but we have a broad band, okay? <laughs> well, bite me, okay? <laughs> no, what it's, I was going to say like, is... Okay, the reality of it is, and what I have worked with in the past, I understand what you're saying about engineering and technical. Okay, I am saying... All things being equal, okay, that over a period of time, it's absolutely beyond me, and I, hopefully it's getting better. I haven't had to deal with the compensation issues in some of my consulting, thank God. Anyway, but the idea is that the mindset was, number one, you hire a divorced woman with children that she has to work, you can work her as many hours as you want and pay her whatever you want. And if you get 
I mean, this was the mindset because she has to work. She has children. So this was where a lot of women got into the workforce, but they got stuck at a level because, well, we can't do without you. We can't promote you. Who else is going to do that crap job you had? (laughs) I think the point that I was going to make about what concerns me about this conversation, and first of all, Jerry, thank you for throwing yourself in the middle of this, but I feel like this is less of a legal issue and more of a cultural intelligence issue. I think that laws can only go so far. Even if you made, and this is like in a fictitious world, you made a law that said a female counterpart has to be paid exactly the same amount as a male counterpart. There are going to be workarounds. There are going to be people that disagree with it. There are going to be problems and issues. It's more a change of the mindset. It's people realizing this, what did you call it? Unconscious Unconscious bias. Unconscious bias. It's more people actually realizing that and changing the way people think and the way they feel and less about changing the laws. And that's just kind of my opinion. I disagree because before Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, there was rampant discrimination throughout the economy. That was enacted in 64. If you look around now, there is much less discrimination. I'm not gonna say it's gone entirely away, but much less discrimination. I think that's a fine example for the Americans with Disabilities Act. Same thing of you can legislate morality. All right. But well, except so what are you basing that law on? And the number of time. number of lawsuits brought is that no, what you're I, basing? There that were no on? law before '64. There were no lawsuits. Okay. There was no law that so, <laughs> required say, equal treatment. If we talk about the number of CEOs in America, there are sure. more CEOs named John than there are okay. female CEOs before, in the United States. Be, so I'm not sure before, discrimination. Before 1964, gone. there were no female CEOs. Right. Okay. So right. what I'm saying. So what we can I'm count the laws, the laws were necessary then, and we have some laws in place now. But now it's coming more mindset. Okay. Beware of those statistics, because I think those are only publicly traded corporations. They are so closely held. There are many more, and there are many more females. And so we get snippets of information, and we broadly generalize with statistics that aren't accurate broadly. And, well, and that happens frequently. A prime example of cultural bias sitting in the White House. <laughs> Why, whatever you had, you had a very this is qualified. This really, really quick, I think. Okay. You had a very qualified candidate, very much a what we'd call lightning rod. Okay, admittedly, a lot of people had issues. But what was the comment? There's not going to be a woman president in the United States of America. Hopefully that will change. But the cultural bias that says a woman is too emotional to handle being president of the United States, that is the cultural bias. Okay, but wait a minute. We've had, and still do have, women who serve on the United States Supreme Court. We have women that have been secretary of state. We have women throughout the legislatures. So I guess I, 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 don't I don't think president. Hillary. What did no, Hillary Clinton didn't there, lose because of her gender. She did not run a smart campaign, and I voted for Hillary Clinton. Okay, but she <laughs> did not run a smart campaign. But again, look what you've got. Okay, but you're attributing that to gender, and you have a lot of people I think that had grievances with this vague 
system and that they as individuals were being done in by the system. And so they voted for this anti-establishment character, Donald Trump, because he said he's an insider and he can figure it out and turn it on its head. That's really what he's done, isn't it? Yeah, left 50 nuclear he dropped bombs it on in its head, Syria. I think is okay. <laughs> But aside, I shouldn't have put the political thing in there, but I did out of just absolute frustration. But the, the issue, having been in employment, I've consulted for the last 13 years, but in the workplace, in being in the catbird seat, being over the compensation structure, over hiring, over the whole enchilada, let's say, okay, what you've seen is that you saw the, the bias. And what you would see so often would be a guy come <coughs> in and interview that a particular manager or executive really found attractive. I'm saying he liked the way the guy looked. He liked the fact that he was over six foot tall. There's a bias for you. He liked the fact that he came from the same college, yada, yada, all the way down. What happens is those guys are then looked at, at through that CEO's vision as their young self, and they live through their young self. It doesn't matter if this guy can't even find their way out of a box. I had a friend recently who lost her job because the CEO's wife didn't want her husband working with this woman. I got news for you, that happens quite a lot too. Yeah. Because she's pretty. That's been litigated too. All right, well that seems like a good place to wrap up part two of our conversation on equal pay and gender bias, but before we go, anybody have a good horror story? If not, I've got one. I actually worked in a work environment one time where I had a male counterpart. We both had the same title, the same job, just very similar departments. And I was approached about coming across too bossy, too overbearing, and, and mostly in email messages. And so we did an experiment where we switched. Whenever I sent out an email to my department, I had him, I had him type up the email and send it under my name. And whenever he needed to email his department, he had me type it up and send it under his name. And we did this for a couple of weeks, and then I asked, have I improved? And they said, no, if anything, you've gotten worse. And I said, well, what about him? And they said, he's fine. Nobody has a problem with him. <laughs> now, at Funny. one point, they had somebody come in to do, I think it was the Myers-Briggs. They did personality testing. And I was told, and I quote, Sam, your problem is that you're an ENTP, and the NT combination is predominantly male. And so... People expect that's problem. you. That's my problem. Yeah. And so people have a certain so expectation <laughs> for, for me women. to behave differently because mm -hmm. they're not used to seeing the NT combination in a female and, and that I needed to be aware of that. What kind please of struck stifle me, it. Yeah. Yeah. Please I, stifle yeah. It. Please act more female because it's <laughs> making people uncomfortable. Ouch. Thanks for listening to Super Manager by CN Video Production. Visit our website at cn-video.com for additional episodes and lots of Super Manager resources, or give us a call at 314-VIDEO-ME.